This episode is sponsored by Massah Israel Journey. Okay, guys, you have to check out Masai Israel Journey. If you're listening to this episode, you probably have some interest in Israel. Well, Masai Israel Journey is the marketplace for long-term opportunities in Israel. You can explore your career path, you can live out your passions, and you can make a positive impact on the world. During the pandemic, Masai also created options to study and work remotely from Israel. You don't need to pause your life. You don't need to know Hebrew to join, but you do get funding when you apply. So learn more at MasaIsrael.org slash Two Nice Jewish Boys. That's MasaIsrael.org slash Two Nice Jewish Boys, spelled out Two Nice Jewish Boys. Check it out. This is Eitan Weinstein. And I'm Naor Menninger, and you're listening to Two Nice Jewish Boys. This podcast is sponsored by The Forward. Stay up to date with unlimited access to news, culture, and opinion all through a Jewish lens. And for our listeners, for 2NJB listeners, get six months of The Forward for only $10. That's 67% off. An exclusive subscription offer for our listeners, forward.com slash 2NJB, and get six months for 10 bucks. Also in collaboration with Arutz Sheva, IsraelNationalNews.com. And last but not least, in collaboration with Australian Jewish News, check them out at AJN.TimesOfIsrael.com. This podcast is produced by Sam Glon. From Mark and Steve to Bill and Elon, when scrolling through any list of the top figures in tech, there are practically no female faces. And it's not just at the top. According to some statistics in the US, women represent only 14% of software engineers and only 25% of all computer science related jobs. It's not much better in Silicon Valley either. As of 2017, women made up only 29% of all computer science students in Israel. So why is this? Why in 2021, in the age of equality, is there still such a wide gap? And finally, are we doing something about it? Ruth Polacek is the chairwoman, founder, and CEO for six of the last seven years of SheCodes a community of 30,000 Israeli female software developers. SheCodes has as its mission statement the goal of reaching 50% female representation in the tech industry within a decade. Ruth is also currently CEO and co-founder of a new digital health venture, Less Tests, which aims to make COVID-19 testing as accessible as possible to everyone around the world. We are super thrilled to be joined by Ruth Polacek today on the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having Hello. me. Hi. Good morning. How so um, we're going to start with SheCodes. We're going to talk a little bit about less tests, and then uh, we'll see where it goes from there. Yeah. Um, so you're a programmer? Uh, I'm also a programmer. So first and foremost, I'm an entrepreneur. Okay. And uh, I can Does, also program. Usually they come together, no? Uh, very often, uh, very often comes together, but uh, it's important as an entrepreneur to be able to um, do anything that is necessary. So for me, that's how I started. But actually some of the, like while I was looking through some of the big names in text, like the biggest female names, while the biggest male names are often actually uh, coders, right? Like yes. uh, people in software engineering, like Steve Jobs and uh, Mark Zuckerberg and Bill Gates. 
some of the biggest names that I know of in tech that are female, like Sheryl Sandberg, for example, are not from the tech side, right? They're for, from the business side. Well, depends who. I mean, there's also Marissa Meyer and there's other, uh, but there's just not just not so many. So yeah. you don't have a lot to pick from. So obviously there are a lot of big names of men that are also not quoters. You just, you think of some when you have uh, small numbers, you just have small numbers. But you were first a coder, or were you first a coder or an entrepreneur? No, first an entrepreneur for me. Yeah, uh, yes. I mean, I'm not talking chronologically, uh, but I'm talking uh, in... Spiritually. In, yeah, in my heart. I think there's a lot of things you can do. And uh, as an entrepreneur, I realized that I have to understand what is going on. And uh, I had to like kind of dabble myself and, and code and also understand what my uh, programmers are doing. I did learn how to code when I was a kid, but I, I didn't, um, it was never a career. I never worked in it uh, for a lengthy period of time. Uh, and also my degrees, um, economics, philosophy. So it's a completely other uh, um, discipline. But for me still, it's really important when you're building something to understand it completely. Mm -hmm. So I kind of went and dived in. So why is it, do you think, that there's not so many women in coding? I think it's a, it's a social thing. Um, society kind of gives um, uh, positive reinforcement for various things, for, uh, for women and for um, different things for men. Or rather, it starts when they're kids, so for boys and for girls. Mm -hmm. And um, you, just, you're, you don't focus on what you don't get positive reinforcement for. You don't think there's like any, I'm going to, I'm going to play devil's advocate, Go ahead. but you don't think there's any difference between the genders as far as, uh, what we're naturally driven towards. I, I think, I think, I don't know. I think the society has such a strong effect on us. We can't even tell, we can't even uh, identify to ourselves. What is the natural, I mean, it could be the other way around. I mean, when you look at math at schools, girls have better grades, at least, uh, you know, and some uh, research shows that. So it's really hard to say um, what is the natural. It's really hard to kind of uh, identify. And society has such a strong um, effect on this that you really can't uh, mm -hmm. say. So how did you become an entrepreneur then? Um, it's interesting. It's not something that uh, I was very curious about. And... Uh, I felt it was a challenge I wanted to um, to take on. I had, um, when I was young, I wanted to, to be a doctor, actually, like my grandfather. And um, I, I basically took a lot of studies and made sure that I can uh, go. And in Israel, it's not pre-med, but it's kind of similar. You have to get certain grades and so forth. And uh, I wanted to make sure that I can do it. And um, after, I think maybe a decade of when I was a kid, uh, when it came time to sign up for college, I was thinking, wait, if I sign up, then that's the rest of my life because you have to be very dedicated uh, in this profession. And I wanted to leave things open and do various things and have a kind of large effect on, uh, actually on things I didn't even know what that meant. Mm -hmm. And uh, I wanted to go into the business world, which I also didn't know what it meant because nobody in my family, everybody's uh, kind of, employees we hardly have any anyone in the family who's an entrepreneur and i wanted to learn basically you know how sometimes you don't know what you don't know so that's that's how i uh, decided to uh, that's how you got into it yeah. so at what point did you i mean when did you start your first venture like was it 
you know, early on or did it, did it, you know, happen later? No, it was later. I think, um, I mean, for now it's over a decade ago, but I wasn't, I wasn't a kid who started, um, small entrepreneurial Mm -hmm. endeavors. No Uh, no lemonade stands. No, I didn't do lemonade stands. I'm actually never too late. (laughs) 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 I should think about that. Yeah. Yeah. It's probably, you know, um, no, I, I know people who, I think, I think it excited me when I heard about thing, people who did that, but I wasn't exposed to it as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, I think now that we have, also in Cheat Codes, we have programs for women, uh, including for, for teenagers. And I always think, oh, if, if I had that when I was a girl, I would have loved that. But I had no access to that. No one in my immediate, uh, as I said, no one in my family or immediate uh, friends. Uh, as I said, it's a social thing. Nobody did it, so I, I didn't even know when I when I decided that I wanted to do something business-wise, I didn't even know what that meant. I didn't know, that's why I went to study economics, among other things, but I didn't even know how to reach out um, and do these things. And so it's, it's kind of a, um, a really long uh, journey of learning, um, and that's why I went into finance. And a few, very a few years after I was in finance, I realized that the, the actual... Where things happen is the companies. Because we were, you know, when I was trading, I was trading equity of companies. When I was an investment banker, we were working on uh, M&A and IPO deals of companies. And we were always thinking about what are the companies. And within the company, you also see the entrepreneurs or the actual people who built it. Mm -hmm. So then I I realized that the builders, uh, that's, and everything else, the, um, um, legal and accounting and that actually early on I realized that I was thinking maybe when I decided I'm not going to go into this and I started considering other options and I realized wait when you study accounting or 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 law you're actually consulting to whoever's actually doing the things the real work the real work and <laughs> then I had this journey and when I went in, into finance then I realized wait I'm still not actually building and that ha- kind of got me to understand that the actual building happens in the building of companies uh, and ventures. And that's how I got back into tech because even though my parents are in tech, this whole journey for me was going away from tech because that's where my parents were. I started by trying to go where my grandfather did and then going into a world I have no idea what it is. And then I realized, wait, tech, this is really, right? Okay, 15 years ago, tech is where things are being built these days. And if you want to build something, you have to do it in tech. It's funny how all our lives are around rebelling. Yeah, and, it's true. Uh, coming and back. finding ourselves, yeah. yeah. Trying to go against your parents yeah, and at the end yeah. of the day, you This know, is what it's all about. Walking in circles, right? yeah. basically. G- getting back to the origins. <laughs> right. It's really clear. So what did, what did your parents and your grandfather, you said they were in tech? What, what did they do? No, so my, my grandfather... Um, he was the doctor. That's the uh, ah, okay. that 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 connection, which is actually related to my current startup. Uh, it's a different story. We'll get to it in a bit. Yeah. Um, no, my parents are both in tech. Um, my father, data security. My mom, um, more like uh, fintech and actually uh, uh, like product, I should say. So it's okay. it's things that I've wow. Uh, but that's I mean to. I mean like I don't know how old your parents are, but. I mean, that's like not usual, right? That people from that generation would be in in positions like that. I mean, there's there's few, right? That's true. Yeah, my father always says that he lives in the country that didn't exist when he was born because <laughs> uh, they made Aliyah. 
Um, and um, he uh, works in a profession uh, that didn't exist when he was born. So uh, he studied uh, math. He wanted to go into computers because he saw it was growing. Mm -hmm. uh, and the it, computer science degree didn't exist. So he studied math. Um, and then my mom, after we, after we uh, when I was young, my, my older siblings um, are already in school, uh, went into tech as well because of my father as well. But your so. father, so he studied math, but at some point he must have like studied computer science coding i mean at some point he must have it added didn't that exist to it. There but was now no he works in data security no well, so right he... away he 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 wanted to work in computers yeah so he um at the time in order to do that you had to study math that was the only option no but i'm saying today does he deal with coding well today he's he's uh, uh retired already but yeah he worked in uh, uh computers for in coding you for could years. study it as you as you worked yeah. i guess yeah, I mean, you had possibly, I don't know, actually, if they had a few courses at the time in school, but there was no curriculum that was entirely computer science because there weren't enough people that were interested in it or working. The industry wasn't as... immediately go into data security? Yes, immediately. That's what oh, he wanted okay. to do. Okay. In computers and coding, uh, yeah. I don't know exactly what he did at the beginning. But but in a sense, I mean, I, I guess what I'm trying to get at is in a sense that, that entrepreneurial gene seems to have been there. Because, right, your father, like... The idea of going into a space where, I mean, entrepreneurial is a, is all, right? What does entrepreneurial mean? It means like entering a new area, right? Yes. And disrupting it. And, but not necessarily, I mean, just the, the basic meaning of entrepreneurial Uncharted is, territories. Yeah, is entering mm -hmm. new, right? So the idea that, you know, data security didn't exist when he was born. It probably didn't exist for the first 20 years of his life, but, you know. It's true. It's... um. Um, it was very rare and I think you know how you you cannot be what you cannot see so his uncle was actually involved in, uh, he was a professor of math but he was involved in uh, one of the first computers um, mm. uh, World War II so it's it's something that we were aware of in the yeah. family but it was something that was very rare and it was not a kind of industry and a profession but it was clear that it's going to go there so what was your first venture um, my first venture, uh, my first venture was called Flakes. This was 2009. Um, I just left Lehman Brothers. Um, well, after, uh, kind yeah. of, uh, <laughs> when everybody was leaving Lehman Brothers, <laughs> <laughs> uh, although I actually left a few months before, um, uh, but, and I wanted to do something, uh, web or mobile. Actually, the, the the first one was actually before this one. Um, I wanted to. Um, it never came about to to be uh, a product, but I was exploring phone numbers. I wanted. I realized that everything we were doing was focused on emails, and um, Facebook at the time was very early on. And uh, since I I did a, a exchange program uh, in the U.S., I I was an early user. And I knew that everything, everybody was taking your, your emails. And I was thinking, wait, what about the phone numbers? That's your real network, the people you call and people you speak with. Um, so I started exploring, um, this is even before this, like 2008. Uh, I started exploring what we should, uh, what I could do and build um, with using phones and phone numbers. Uh, this was before iPhone and Android were what they are. Uh, and at the time, some of them were starting to come out and apps were starting to come out. Um, but even just before that, I, I was, they didn't have a large market share. And I was sitting with um, 
developers for phones and they explained to me, I remember I had a specific call which kind of got me off this uh, uh, idea um, because this developer said, look, there are too many phones with too many different uh, operating systems. And if you want to do something for phones, it's too complicated and not possible. <laughs> <laughs> So, Little did he know. So that was, yeah, exactly. And uh, I actually saw the guy uh, a year or so ago. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I was wrong. And it was around the time that they were coming out. And I um, actually, I thinking of myself at the time, I wasn't early enough to take the shift because I could have said, wait, these are going to take over and I could just focus early on on a growing market. Uh, and I and then I moved to kind of focus on, on web apps and, and I, I focused on that for a while. But I think... Um, many times I, I happen to see things early on and not, um, take on the opportunities, mm -hmm. but I think that's exactly the learning and the experience because yeah. you never catch things early on. But it's the classic story of entrepreneurship, right? Because so many startups start from you pitching an idea to someone who knows his shit, as they say, and he... says to you it's the worst idea he ever heard and it will fail right yes. and yes. and then what do you do about that some persist and some give up and the rest is history absolutely uh it's really funny for some reason very often when people uh talk to me in these kind of contexts uh or, or others they keep saying give me advice what's your advice to uh, female entrepreneurs for for young coders or anything and the thing i always say is Don't listen to advice, <laughs> including <laughs> this one, because you, it's not possible. You're the only one who knows what you're trying to do and where you're trying to go. And um, anyone giving you advice is giving you their perspective. And it may not be um, relevant to what you're trying to do. But it's so it's like the paradox of life, right? Because it's like always walking that fine line between one thing and the exact opposite. Because it's like you don't want to be the person who shuts out all feedback and never listen. But like at the same time, you have to follow your heart. So it's it's this like gray area. I know, right? I know. And it's hard. The problem is, and especially for me, but I think a lot of people, it's really hard not to listen to advice. It's really hard. It's difficult because you always feel like, oh, someone must know. I mean, especially I if, if it's someone big. Exactly. Someone you respect. The, the, you know, the, the, the example I gave, he has experience. He had over 10 or 20 years, maybe 10 or more years of, of the field. That those I are was, the people who tend to have hubris, I guess. That's very true. And also they have the current view of the situation and not necessarily what it could go to. And they're really immersed in the, the current state. Mm -hmm. But it's hard to, um, to imagine something else. So when did you feel like you had your first success? Like th there was something that was like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm doing all right here. I kind of feel really uh, uncomfortable with the word success. Okay. Because it's always in the eye, as you said, it's in the eyes of the beholder. Uh, you know, my really first decision was to, to quit Lehman. Uh, I don't know if that's, that's not considered a success. I, I, I can tell you what I think people consider success. She Codes is, is what it's definitely considered uh, my big success. But I have so many plans for She Codes that I still feel like it's a small organization, even though it's the biggest organization of um, training uh, software engineers, male or female. In Israel. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, tell, tell a bit about it to the people who don't know. Of course. Uh, so SheCodes is an organization that I built. Um, we currently have uh, tens of thousands of, of members and participants. 
every year we train um, thousands of members. Uh, this year specifically, we had uh, 2,200 women who completed uh, courses. Uh, and this is just part of the activities. We have um, many hackathon, which is coding events, lectures, um, workshops for, uh, for female uh, engineers and aspiring engineers. So it's both the current uh, software engineers who want to expand their knowledge, learn new skills, because this is lifelong learning. And in tech especially, you always have new technologies. But also women who are interested in joining the field, whether uh, youngsters, like I mentioned before, teenagers and uh, girls, but also mainly uh, women uh, in, in their early stages of their career, whether they're students or, or choosing uh, what, what degree to go. In Israel, you do it a few years after college. You, you choose your... Uh, major um, after I mean after high school you choose what, what where you go to college in your major uh, but also five ten years into uh, your career very often you're interested in making some career changes and understanding maybe you want to do something a little different than what you studied so we have um, in the in the past few years we have uh, an average of 800 women that we are aware that were placed or, or uh, were promoted um, that were part of our community. Uh, in, in looking at numbers, because Israel is a strong country, this is literally, and we can count this percent of the industry. Before COVID, you were like you had events and pro and conventions and lectures, hackathons. Yeah, I want to share with you that we still have, and actually, this has been the biggest year we've had. Mm. It's all Zoom and uh, online events, but we've actually the. Um, uh, um, Everything we're doing was actually bigger. We had twice as many women participated in events. Maybe it's just easier uh, because it's only the time and not also the location that you have to make sure that you arrive at. Uh, but also more women who are participating in courses completed them. We have a lot of, a lot of participants who come just to be exposed. And then we encourage them sometimes to go and get a degree in the field or, or go to expand their knowledge in other ways. But we also have curriculum and courses. Uh, and more women... Um, uh, went on to continue and complete courses than ever before. So I want to ask you about um, like uh, academic inflation. Like, how, how, what's your take on, you know, a woman who wants to, you know, she just now finished the army, not in you know eighty two hundred or in any kind of place that gave her a good basis for uh, software development, and she wants to. She has two choices. She can either you know go study computer sciences or maybe take a boot camp or join she codes learn some basic coding and go start working what's like um hands down a degree i really have to say i mean she codes you it's not either or you still i think obviously it's important to be part of the community and have mm -hmm. peers that are doing something something similar and and have um the support of of your peers but a degree is a curriculum that gives you everything um that is considered um basic especially in in some of the things you have to do in the future but so many coders and high-tech people in israel don't have a degree it's very true but you have to kind of if you look into the segmentation of them uh the really top ones um there's there are three options either they ha they do have a degree or they did it since they were kids and they did it in the army as well and the third slice of really top ones is very rare uh, it's not very common. It's possible. I'm not saying it's not possible. Like self-taught, you mean? Self-taught, completely self-taught, didn't go through any kind of organized... It's possible. It's just more difficult. Why would you make your own life difficult if you have the opportunity 
to do it the right way. If you're, if you're, and many, many don't have. Some would say many don't have the opportunity to do it the right way, and which leads to the question: Does any girl in the periphery can become a programmer? Absolutely. I was just talking now at the top programmers, and I think the important thing to note is that most people in tech are not the top programmers. I would encourage people to go get a degree because I would encourage anyone to be those top programmers, algorithm developers, and people who are the highest paid, the more uh, chances for advancement. Any place that you uh, uh, try to apply will hire you. Um, but I would even say it's 80-20. I think 80% of developers are, are just coders building stuff, not necessarily the lead uh, uh, tech person on the team. And there's a lot that can be done there and a lot that you can do. Um, and obviously I encourage, and I think any, any, uh, girl or guy, uh, across the country in periphery or elsewhere can get into tech and specifically into coding. But I do think if you have the, the time and the abilities mm. that it's better to get the kind of basic also theoretical background, because that's what it is. A lot of it is the theoretical, not just the hands-on. Obviously, hands-on is really important when you get into uh, the nitty-gritty, and uh, it's really important what experience you have. After a few years in tech, all that matters is what experience you have. But in order to get a really base, uh, a strong base, that's what I recommend. Less tests. Yes. Can yes. we talk about that? Sure. Uh, How did it come to be? Well... Uh, around March, uh, when I was working, um, well, basically still in Chico's, we, we brought, we kind of got all the organization, uh, online, uh, very quickly because everything was digitalized. Uh, and I wanted to see, uh, what else I can do to help. Uh, and I'm very fortunate. I'm in various forms and, and groups of, uh, innovative people, uh, in Israel. And there was basically brainstorming. Uh, a lot of people wanted to take part. I did a lot of other things um, to help. And then the, the matter of testing came up and um, pool testing specifically. And apparently I found out that in biology, there's this practice that's been around for many, many years uh, in academia, but it's not been implemented in the field, in labs. And that's pool testing, which is basically uh, increasing the number of tests you, through group testing. Uh, and specifically, uh, after that, uh, many places started doing doing it across the world. But there's a specific way of doing it using math, which is more efficient and quicker. Uh, and that's combinatorial pooling. We can get into it if you'd like. Uh, but that is basically using an algorithm to do the the to do the pooling. Um, in a one shot instead of two steps. Because the problem is, as COVID is more and more uh, common, mm -hmm. right? Uh, you need to do more and more tests. Yes. And it, at some point you reach a, like a, a, such masses of tests. Exactly. And there's a, the there's a risk of, of collapse. The whole system can collapse, yeah. essentially. So the idea is to, what, test 12 people at a time? And if, if the COVID test returns positive, then you test them individually? So basically, um, that's the basic pooling. And our, uh, our program actually does it more efficiently. The basic, the basic uh, pooling says, yeah, let's take um, groups of 12. And any, uh, in this one, there's low prevalence rate. So in each group of 12, if the entire uh, tube was negative, we can now release 12 people instead of checking individually 12 
Um, but then if it's positive, you have to check individually each of these uh, people. In and, and the problem is in countries like now in Israel, because it's so COVID is so common now, uh, the chances of having 12 people uh, With zero it, it, it becomes it's so becomes it's better lower. it's more efficient when you have low numbers but when you have high numbers yeah, when you have high numbers this is really a problem yeah uh, you can't really use it um, so what what our um, program does is basically each sample and this already is the case each sample you put in multiple tubes um, and in each of the tubes it basically exists with other two with other samples so in 12 become you Uh, so tell you can take the 12 become 24 or mm-hmm. uh, 36 and the and, 36 become but each of them are are basically placed in different tubes so I take the 12 people uh, and I put them instead of in one tube in three tubes for instance so then in each of these tubes you have but different people so if you have 12 you still have 12 in the tube but these 12 in the mm-hmm. tube are from these 12 people in the next tube are Or from 12 different people and perhaps one person will be in these two tubes and the third one will be in another tube so you increase the chance of a negative person finding a tube where he's totally negative exactly and then with where someone is completely negative you know he's negative you checked him three times if someone's positive he's gonna be positive in the three different tubes now what's great about it is you don't have to check him again you Because he was you see what tubes were positive and you know that the only person that his sample was in these three tubes mm-hmm. is this specific person Wow because all the rest <laughs> of the bad <laughs> <laughs> it's better than sex because... <laughs> uh, have you've been doing too much math <laughs> <laughs> okay uh, okay but, but it sounds the... too good to be true though. What's the catch? Okay, the catch is that there's a lot of integration into the labs that needs to be done. And also it's um, kind of a percept uh, kind of um, I think kind of a, a concept, the conceptual um, you know you have to kind of think about it for a second mm-hmm. until you get it. Mm-hmm. And then in the labs you have to integrate it and you have to see now, And using these methods you can these methods you can actually save 80 90 of the cost it's incredible because you, you know if just for reference I read today that we pay now with so many tests we are doing uh, in Israel you pay it costs the country about half a billion shekels a month or something like that and I also heard they just they just lowered tax surprising. brackets in Israel meaning we're gonna start paying more taxes. maybe the matter of the, because of the cost here is really insane yeah. yeah it's um but the problem is and if you're talking about the catch is that the labs are not the ones paying so the lab are the one making decisions but they're not the ones paying right. so um, why would they become more efficient why saying? would they have an incentive to right. become more efficient exactly so that's that's actually the main battle we've had this year <laughs> um, and this this has to do with all the discussion here in Israel about how amazing our health system is how amazing the vaccine because of uh, the socialized health system it's and it's not exactly it's not yeah. an efficient uh, it's not striving to be efficient they don't care yeah um, it they do care about the health but, but to an extent to an extent yeah exactly so for for us it's been a, a real challenge uh, however we were very fortunate because the first step was getting regulatory approval and 
in regular circumstances, this is a process that could take years. Mm -hmm. uh, and we were very, very fortunate that it actually took us um, less than two months, which was kind of a very speedy process. And since then, we were um, working with the Ministry of Health, because that's who's the decision maker in Israel, uh, to implement this. And we're actually now working on implementing in two different Israeli HMOs, two of the three largest Israeli HMOs, wow. uh, doing validation. Which are? Meuchedet and Maccabi. Um, and we're yeah, it might be in a tube with 11 other people yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> it'll be the peak of your career <laughs> <laughs> three tubes <laughs> no a lot of us are really excited because we were doing Meuchedet for a while and now we're starting with Maccabi and which a bunch is bigger it's just bigger exactly and a bunch of our team members including myself were Maccabi so we're like <laughs> okay I want to get tested yeah. and I want to see that when we uh we see the data that I find the tube where I yeah. was in. And, uh, <laughs> I mean, we don't have personal people's information, but we do have the, uh, the kind of code. So I'm planning when I, when I get tested to see what, what's the code they used <laughs> to see whether I can uh, identify it later in the data. This, this could be breakthrough, though, for other diseases. I mean, right? Through, for flu, for, oh. or is this already a, 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 a technique that's used? No, absolutely. Uh, it's it's hardly used. Even the regular pooling, the combinatorial pooling, is not used uh, at all. And uh, we're literally thinking of post-COVID strategy. Uh, the labs are already talking to us about it. The very first time we came to a lab, the very first uh, um, test in, in that we did the first first experiment, which was in May, uh, they started telling us you can do this for for cities. You can do this for. Um, CMVs, you can do like they started every single lab we we come to starts sharing with us Amazing. what else could be and done. Is it patented? Uh, we're we're uh, applying. However, we kind of feel like it's uh, the most important part here is really the a lot of the integrations. So it's not just the algorithm itself specifically. Because each each company, each healthcare company has different infrastructure. Right, exactly. Very old exactly. sometimes. Exactly. This is exactly legacy systems if we're talking Windows about XP. tech. Windows XP. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's even good if What's it's wrong XP. With Windows XP? <laughs> it's, it's not, yeah. You're, you're way Pascal. ahead of the, of the <laughs> curve. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, most of these systems are, it's really hard to, to innovate uh, in um, in the medical world. For me, it's coming full circle. We discussed, I was thinking of, of, of going into medicine and part of why I didn't is I wanted to build things. Uh, so building things for the medical world for me is, is really uh, uh, exciting. So grandpa could be proud in the end of the day. Yeah, what's really interesting is when I was growing up and he knew that I wanted to go into medicine, he kept telling me um, genetics, genetics, genes, that's the future, go into that. This is like the 90s. Uh, and uh, when we do the testing here, it's actually testing genes. So, wow. Yeah. That's wow. amazing. So so what's the prediction for the upcoming months? Like, I'm, I'm guessing you're not fully implemented yet. Do you plan to be in those? Uh... Yes, we're, we're working now on the implementation in these two HMOs. We actually have a few projects uh, also overseas, outside of Israel. Uh, and we're interested in increasing uh, international reach. We think that... Uh, it's funny because across the world, we're focusing still on COVID, but in Israel, because of the vaccines, everybody's asking us what's after COVID because that's like, we see it. Uh, so we're, we're working very hard on the post-COVID uh, strategy as well, just because we're very fortunate to, uh, to be in that place right now. So part of less tests is, as you said, the integration. So I'm assuming there's a lot of software development. Yes, absolutely. We have a, 
a lot of a lot of integration. So there's crossover with with she codes. Completely. Sure. I mean, this is an. Uh, Do I you mean, have she codes? Uh, team members. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm. I had like one of the first ones uh, was from she codes, and uh, I'm hiring more now. I'm looking in for uh, coders at she codes as well. It's. Uh, yeah, it's exciting. We can uh, do kind of crossover. You have your own bank of developers <laughs> right. that you can just pick What's from. What's so funny is that for the past few years, everybody keeps uh, coming to me for uh, for software engineers and developers, and now I'm looking. Yeah. So I kind of feel embarrassed to ask people because they're like, don't you have a bunch of engineers? <laughs> and I'm like, what do you mean? I don't own anyone, <laughs> you know? I gave you my best ones. <laughs> they're the, exactly. I already gave them out. Um, so... Uh, it's in the end of the day, uh, and she goes, it's a network, it's a community. Uh, I'm, I'm a person like anyone else, so I can reach out to these people, but uh, like anyone else who comes to SheCodes and can find software engineers, and, and we have a career center that uh, has companies. We have a, uh, over 200 companies that, that we work with, so yeah. they, they take everyone you gotta already. you got to work it into the contract that you get first <laughs> pick. If they join SheCodes, you own them. Okay, okay. <laughs> That's what Jeff Bezos would have done. <laughs> yeah. But you know, yeah, I, I'm, I, I'm really, I need to improve my... Uh, I, I, I can't help it. but think about one thing you said during this conversation. You know, they say, I don't know if it's true, but the, one of the reasons women are getting paid less than men is because they don't demand, right? They don't have the chutzpah to demand. And I felt that thing about you when you said that you don't like the word success. I don't think Steve Jobs or... Jeff, Be- Jeff Bezos would ever say they don't like the word success. On the contrary. That's an interesting point. Yeah, I, because people keep asking me about my success and I, I don't feel very comfortable about it. And that's a good point. So maybe do you think it, it it's it's a gender thing? Maybe It, it may very well be. Um, it may very well be. I, I, I just feel like there's so much more to do that I kind of feel like um, this is hopefully just the beginning. Is Amazing. there is there advocacy in she codes for you know closing the 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 gender pay gap as well, or is it just more focused on so- software development? We're working on on that as well. We don't have um, we in in two ways. One is because it's a community, uh, we're really focusing on the network. So if you're interviewing to a job, you have who to consult with. So I I know of of several, and obviously I don't know uh, everything about everyone, but I do know um, several team members who told me okay, I asked her and therefore I'm making this X more, like considerable amounts. Uh, and second, we're trying to make it more formal. So we have a course called um, Landing a Job. And that course has a section discussing also uh, negotiating uh, your salary. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, we are kind of discussing doing kind of a more uh, wide, um, it's, it's more about data. You, you talked about maybe potentially about the way I word things, but versus other entrepreneurs although i don't i don't know that i'm on that level yet maybe when i get there uh, i will feel more comfortable um but um i think that maybe across the board sharing information because sometimes when you tell someone to ask for a specific a specific amount and uh, um when when she's asked in the interview how much she expects to get paid uh, a lot of women say, well, I hear these numbers and it just sounds preposterous mm-hmm. and I can't even fathom saying it. And and we feel and we see that. So once they see it more and more and we kind of share more information, I think that's that can help um, narrowing the, the wage gap. So let's do that. 
maybe that's a good a way to end for women listening who are looking to enter the field what are the normal what's a normal salary average salary if you are coming out of a computer science degree at an entry-level position with five years experience with 10 years so experience i i don't want to say because it changes and also i don't but i do i, I can't say there are two things how, how to go about it okay okay first of all there are companies that put out these this information Glassdoor, uh, no, in Glassdoor. There's Glassdoor. There's um, there's um, HR companies that actually, and they put out numbers, and you can actually see what exactly you learned, whether you're uh, you have zero to one, two to three, and, and everything that you said. So check that out. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are hard numbers, and yeah. sometimes they look too high for you, too low for you. But those are numbers that they have and that they know, and they put out as aggregate numbers. That's one thing. The second thing I would say, and um, we had a, dis- uh, a discussion in, on our, one of our Facebook groups this week on this topic, and uh, someone said, ask uh, uh, a male friend how much to ask for. Even what, no matter how high that sounds to you, don't ask for less. So yeah. I think those are two ways to, to go about it and ask a few male friends. Yeah. Amazing. It's, it's interesting. I wonder what it would look like to compare... Uh, married women salary to single women because sometimes there's the influence of the male spouse who's saying you know That's who's cool. making who, the pay gap is in the house That's so a good they question. feel it and they probably but anyway i think you're doing amazing work really yeah uh and uh, very inspiring thank you from strength to strength thank um you very much. can uh, before we go uh do you take donations she codes Uh, no, donate? we're no? actually, uh, we're trying to, to, we, we have a lot of relationship with companies and we're trying to, uh, to build a model, a business mm. model that will be effective. Okay. Um, okay. So, so no donations, but, uh, social media. Yeah. She codes, uh, the main page is, uh, she codes, uh, on Facebook, but it's Hebrew. You don't have English. Uh, the, there's some English we on have the website. A, we have uh, English on the website, mm-hmm. uh, English website, she-codes.org. Uh, and we also have an Instagram. And a mm. lot of it is, I think, is in English cool. for international audience. And you're on social media. You tweet Ru- or something? Yeah, yeah. Rutipo, R-U-T-I-P-O. I'm here. Okay. Amazing. Cool. Before we go, first of all, we have an amazing producer. Yes, Sam Glon. Thank you so much, Sam. Sam's been doing some amazing work for the thank podcast, uh, helping us do outreach. Yes. Uh, thank you, Sam. And this episode is sponsored by Massa. I don't know if you heard about Massa, but uh, they have a new website where you can uh, actually post job, uh, not jobs, but rather, uh, uh, how do they call it? Like internships. Uh, internships. Yes. And if you're looking for... For interns through Massa, you can post the job there and you'll get applications. So it's high, and this po- uh, podcast is also sponsored by them. And also, also the forward guys, check out uh, the forward forward.com. Uh, forward's a great source for news, for opinion pieces, all through a Jewish lens. Go to forward.com slash 2NJB for a special, special offer for exclusively for podcast listeners, 2NJB listeners, forward.com slash 2NJB. And? And israelnationalnews.com, Arutz Sheva. Check them out for amazing content in English about Israel and the Israeli perspective. And? And finally, because we're global... 
AJ, just like COVID, ajn.timesofisrael.com, Australian Jewish Although News. COVID in Australia is <laughs> yeah. on the decline. Yeah, yeah. So ajn.timesofisrael.com, uh, Australian Jewish News, guys, for an Australian perspective on Jewish And we news. accept donations. Go to twinjb.com slash donate to help us out. Anything yes. else we need to plug? No? Okay. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming. This was great. Thank you. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.